welcome to 321 iRelaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, CEO and co founder of iRelaunch, and your host. Today, we welcome Natasha Slaughter. Natasha relaunched initially after a four year career break by starting her own professional services consulting firm, Next Chapter Media Group specializing in nonprofit consulting, marketing consulting, and professional association management. A year later, she added a part-time role in human resources, first as a senior consultant and now training coordinator at human resources consulting firm Dynamic Corporate Solutions, or DCSI for short. Natasha is the immediate past president of the Jacksonville chapter of the Society for Human Resources Management Professional Association, where she's now on the executive board and oversees the marketing and public relations activities of the chapter. She was also the recipient of the HR Florida State Council 2020 President's Award, the state affiliate of the Society for Human Resources Management, which is also known as SHRM. And we don't see too many relaunches that include a substantive part-time role, let alone in HR, uh, combined with an entrepreneurial uh, venture. So we have a lot to learn from Natasha's example. Finally, we will discuss how the power of social media resulted in Natasha being interviewed for this podcast, the 321 I Relaunch podcast today. So we're very excited to have this conversation. Natasha, welcome to 321 I Relaunch. Thank you so much, Carol. I greatly appreciate it that you invited me to be here today. So thank you. Well, we're going to talk about how that happened in a little <laughs> bit, but first we want to focus on your relaunch itself. And I want to know if you can start by telling our audience uh, about your career leading up to your career break and what precipitated your career break. Okay, that sounds good. So my uh, history is all in human resources and training and development. Um, prior to my uh, career break, I had about 15 or so years in human resources and training and development and really all aspects of human resources. So staffing and talent acquisition, employee relations, benefits, risk management, uh, you know, Anything uh, associated with human resources, I've probably done it. <laughs> and I also worked in a, several industries. I worked in healthcare and hospitality, an IT firm, as well as retail distribution. Um, in approximately about 2005, I actually suffered a major illness. And, and that I had just relocated back home from Atlanta to Jacksonville, Florida. So I had just started a new job. And of course, therefore, I had no uh, leave uh, or, or any type of FMLA. So uh, wow. I was out for seven months. And it just so happens I was fortunate enough to call my previous employer within the hotel industry, and they were able to put me back to work immediately um, after when I was able to go back to work. So I became a task force human resources manager, which basically is a fancy word for, you know, if there is an opening somewhere, uh, whether there was a somebody was on leave or there was an opening in an HR department within that particular hotel and um, they were, you know, waiting to fill it, but they couldn't leave that that seat empty and no one to be there. So I would go in and fill in until that person came back from maternity leave, or I uh, hired someone to fill that spot. So it allowed me to travel a little bit. 
uh, go, mm-hmm. go to various cities and states and, and really enjoy uh, that time of travel until an open position came available as a regional training consultant with the hotel uh, company. So that is kind of where I, my history of my human resources experience came from. But it was originally in 2009 is when I was officially diagnosed with lupus. And so I had to really make a decision of whether I could continue to work full time uh, in a human resources position, which is, you know, in, in some ways can be very stressful and, mm-hmm. and consider my health first or my or me going up the career ladder. And I actually chose uh, option two <laughs> and going up the career ladder, but my health chose option one, of course. Ah. And I had to, in 2013, had to really make a decision uh, with the support of my healthcare team and say, you know what, I, I, I need to make this ultimate decision to stop working. Natasha, can you go into a little bit more detail on the mental and emotional part of starting a career break? because you've just received a diagnosis and and now you have a health issue that's keeping you from working. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that happens uh, when you, first, when you're diagnosed with a health concern that's going to eventually uh, make you stop working, there's, you know, for lupus patients, it's usually about five years. At about the five-year mark, it's, it's, it's time to, to shut it down. Um, from mm-hmm. that nine to five and, and have something more flexible that will be agreeable to your to your health concerns. So but when you stop completely, <laughs> you you almost it's, it's like change management and and the steps of and the phases of change management and one of those phases is grief. And mm-hmm. you you grieve, you grieve the life that you had, you grieve the career that you had, especially somebody who like me, who's in a, was in a trajectory to, 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 to go up the career ladder or wanted to go up the career ladder. And so you, you grieve all those things that you aren't able to do anymore, or the fact that you're sitting and doing nothing and you just don't know what to do with yourself. Right. That's, Mm -hmm. that's grief, you know? And so you, you have to, determine how you're going to get over that. Now, for me, I was volunteering already. So my grief was, wasn't as significant because I knew that I still had responsibilities to Sherm Jacksonville or, and I was also on another, um, I was on the advisory council of another uh, nonprofit. So I knew I had responsibilities to others that I couldn't be down for a long period of time. So mm-hmm. it, 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 you know, that grief sometimes still exists because I do miss human resources and I do miss the day-to-day of, of, of training and, and developing individuals and the employee relations aspect of human resources. Um, but I also mm-hmm. know that I, I have also this, this, this self-fulfillment uh, when it comes to owning my own company and helping out nonprofits. And I know that, you know, should I have to stop tomorrow, I've really made a significant impact on my community and on the human resources community um, in particular. Mm. Thank you. All right. And so you then entered your career break with the this diagnosis and this health condition. And were you kind of looking at like 
you didn't really know what was going to happen after that. And so what happened during the next few years? And then how did you decide that you were ready to start working again? Well, my personality is that I I didn't want to stop. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I thought about, okay, well, I can maybe use this time to brush up on any type of skills that I may be lacking in or or don't want to lose. So I thought about, of course, going back to get my master's degree. And of course, I took two classes and, and had to stop <laughs> for health reasons. And then I said, you know, I, I, I really wanted to still do something. I, I, what, I didn't know what I would be capable of doing long term. But I really wanted to do something, you know, after I'd sat out about three years, two or three years. So I mm-hmm. started to think about what what could I do um, virtually uh, and and not impact my health. And when you have a chronic health condition, you really need to talk everything over with your healthcare provider because they're going to be the ones to kind of put the foot down and say, "Hey, this is something you should not be doing." Or, "Yes, we can we can you can do that and we will monitor you." And then mm. the first sign of something bad is happening, then you need to be able to get out of it. And mm-hmm. so you know, we talked about me creating my own company and what that would entail and, mm-hmm. you know, what my kind of boundaries were regarding my health concerns. And so I also had to look at what I wanted to do um, from do I, because you automatically think, oh, well, she's got a background in human resources. She's going to go into human resources consulting. But I mm-hmm. wanted to really take a different path because I truly enjoyed marketing. And I, and I enjoyed graphic design and I enjoyed the, the, the business development aspect and the networking of, uh, and, and really promoting nonprofits. I had volunteered for many years with nonprofits uh, prior to uh, my career break. And so mm-hmm. I wanted to utilize that experience and help nonprofits um, to, uh, you know, attain their their goals and be successful. So I chose that avenue and to develop my company, but also it was personal satisfaction uh, of of helping nonprofits, and and that's kind of my way of of giving back to the community. Mm. All right. So there are a few things here I just want to focus on and, and, and reinforce for the audience. I think it's fascinating that when you're going through this thought process of what your company was going to focus on, how important your volunteer experiences were with, with nonprofits. And we, we can go into some detail in terms of what you did, um, not only to, to focusing on nonprofits per se, but also some of these other functional areas that you realized that you really liked. So I, I just think that's an it's important to highlight to our audience. Uh, in addition to, we don't have very many conversations with relaunchers who will talk about relaunching after a health issue. So uh, first of all, thank you for your generosity in sharing your story, because I think it can be helpful to so many people who are in that situation for their career break, but also this advice that you're giving to be making these decisions about what ha- what happens with your career path and what does a relaunch look like 
in conjunction with your healthcare professional. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. So let's talk a little more about the uh, volunteer work that you did. I, I mean, I just have to acknowledge that that the volunteer work that you did was significant. You had significant leadership roles in the Jacksonville Sherm chapter. You, you've been a consistent leader there in a range of roles, uh, and now uh, you're on the, the executive board for a long time. So, can you talk a little bit about the evolution of that and where you started with Jacksonville Sherm and how your role? Uh, uh, changed and became more se senior and and uh, and more of a leadership role. And then what happened to that work during your career break? Okay. So one of the things that I have always been passionate about is workforce development. And in my, when I was living in Atlanta, I volunteered with several nonprofits um, with interviewing skills and dress for success and resume review uh, to help people who are in transition get back to work. Uh, when I relocated back to Jacksonville, one thing I learned was that the human resources industry uh, and the community is very tight knit. <laughs> and mm -hmm. in order for you to really form relationships with people, you really need to network and, and go where human resources professionals are. So when I relocated back to Jacksonville, the first one of the first things uh, and, and when I got back into human resources position after ending the, the regional training position and going back into a human resources uh, seat, uh, I decided to join the national organization, uh, the Society for Human Resources Management, and mm -hmm. obtain my certification as well. But once I received my and obtained my certification, I realized, you know what, I not only do I need to network, but I need to attend meetings and make sure that my uh, my continuing education was is was important as well. So mm -hmm. I joined the local chapter for the networking. And I just met some amazing people um, at the time. The president was just, I just was, was highly respected the, the president of the organization at the time, because I knew that these were all volunteer leaders mm -hmm. and to run an organization with 800, close to 800 members. It was just amazing to me. And so, and it being volunteer, <laughs> So I decided to, uh, one, I made the ultimate decision that, you know, in order to, um, to maximize my membership, I needed to volunteer. So mm -hmm. I volunteered on the, of course, Workforce Readiness and Diversity Committee for two years. And then um, when that uh, board position became available, um, I, I, I applied for it. And, and although I say it like that, it's a, it's a little bit of a story. Um, I was on the committee and I wrote an article for, the, for our uh, newsletter. And when the article came out in the newsletter, the then president-elect gave me a call and said, this is what we need on our board. Please apply. Mm. Please apply. And I was, mm. oh, I'm trying to, you know, this is once again, this is like 20, this was uh, 2009, uh, you know, recently diagnosed lupus, didn't know if I really mm. wanted any more on my plate. Um, you know, I'm sorry, this was 2011. I apologize, 2011. Mm -hmm. And uh or somewhere around there. And I was like, do I really want more on my plate? Do I really want this leadership position? But I also knew that I, I'm a firm believer in you own your own leadership development. 
Yes, mm-hmm. you can you can, you know, take advantage of what your company has to offer, but ultimately it's up to you to seek out opportunities to develop yourself. And mm-hmm. so I knew that in this capacity as a leader on a on a on a board of directors that I would get the maximum amount of development, you know, to encourage volunteers, people who aren't getting paid and you're, and you're engaging and encouraging them to do things that they don't have to do. Uh, and, and to be, you know, work with other uh, leaders within the community and, and really get a name out there for myself. So mm-hmm. I said, you know what, I'm going to take advantage of it. So I applied for the role, interviewed for the role in, in, in and obtained that position as workforce readiness director. And then uh, the following year, another position was added to my plate of diversity. So I did workforce readiness and diversity and then mm-hmm. went on to college relations. And then um, at that point, I was like, mm, I don't know if I want to continue with with Sharon. Maybe I'll hop over to the Association for Talent Development because, of course, I was passionate about training and development as well. And there there weren't any positions on the board that were open that I was aware of um, for Sherm Jacksonville. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden I was approached um, by the, <clears throat> excuse me, incoming president elect and the incoming president. And they approached me and said, Hey, would you be interested in going into the succession for presidency? Wow. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> 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 oh. and at that point, you know, this was uh, 2015 and mm-hmm. I had just really started my company. I was in the infancy stage and I thought about it and thought about it. And I said, you know what, this could be, a, a you know, not only will it help me as a leader, but it can also be a significant um, uh, impact for my company. Mm-hmm. And so I said, why not? <laughs> and I applied for it and, and uh, interviewed for the uh, the VP of programs position, which is in the succession plan for the presidency. And once you're in, you're locked in kind of so that mm-hmm. you do two years as VP of programs uh, or then you do president elect and then you become president and then you become past president. So, um, so it's a, it's a, it's a multi-year commitment, um, for our particular chapter. Uh, but once I was in, I was hooked and, and I really wanted to, um, not only make an impact, uh, on my chapter, make an impact on my, on the community, um, but also, uh, you know, help me as an individual, uh, in developing my, my leadership skills. Mm. You know, there's so much here. Uh, so a lot of this, <laughs> I know, I, I mean, a lot of the the, um, the most senior level advancement happened during your career break, it sounds like, as you were, I know you were starting your company at that time, but uh, clearly you were a standout um, in the organization because you kept being asked to take these positions. So they had obviously identified you as top leadership material really early on. Uh, but I, I also like how you're talking about this in terms of like, I love the quote, you own your own leadership development and seek out opportunities to develop yourself. And you looking at this in so many different ways, an opportunity to give back, but an also this um, an opportunity potentially for your business, but also this opportunity for leadership development of your own. I just want to underscore this for our listeners who might be thinking about what types of volunteer work to take on, whether they're anticipating a future career break or in the career break already, 
and also the role of a professional association and how Natasha's talking about uh, she when she moved and uh, was building a new network, how one of the first things she did was to join uh, SHRM and, and then the local SHRM. So lots and lots of uh, uh, teaching moments there for, for our listeners. Thank you. Um, so Natasha, can you um, talk a little bit more about uh, the, uh, you're, you're building your, your you're building your um, business right now. Maybe how you got your first couple of clients, and also what was there, what was happening in parallel in terms of how you ended up getting the DCSI job. Okay. So my first clients were really, you know, I I am not everybody agrees, but I am of the mindset of there's some things you may have to do for free. Um, just mm-hmm. to get samples. Uh, yeah. So uh, I I reached out to um, people within my network and, and, and volunteered to create some marketing materials for them. Um, I reached out to friends and family to see if they knew of anybody, any small business owners that were looking for uh, marketing materials or had an upcoming event that they needed assistance with. Um, you know, I, I, I tried to... Uh, not limit myself to whether the fact that I was going to get paid or not in the beginning. And mm-hmm. then I did that for about a year. And then there were some clients that were, for example, for website development. Um, I took on a little bit longer because that was over a period that needed to be over a period of time. Mm-hmm. But I felt that one of the things I really wanted to do was create my the, a name for myself within um, the community and t- making sure I talked to the people who I knew who would uh, advance not only uh, my name, my brand, my company, but also, you know, who I had high respect for as well. So I just didn't just didn't call on anybody and said, hey, can I do whatever? It was, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, you know, I appreciate, you know, your business. I, you know, I want to assist you in being successful. You know, we've worked together or we've, we've known each other for a while. I would really love to, to see how we could, you know, have a mutually beneficial relationship and, and, and me providing the service for you for X amount of time. Mm-hmm. And, and so you're saying that some of that was when you have those conversations, you, you, in the conversation, you might say, and I'm willing to start out with a project pro bono, um, like in investing in a, in a future relationship or like, how exactly did you word that? Well, I worded it in the fact that you typically, if I know someone already, if they already have an existing small company, uh, and, and I know that they need some marketing assistance, um, mm-hmm. I'll reach out to them and and offer that and say, you know, I will be more than happy to assist you with that and, and, you know, not charge you for that just to get the exposure and possibly even, you know, if you would approve of the work and you enjoy the work, then uh, maybe even a referral or, or a reference um, should okay. I get a paid client. So ask, asking in the terms of that, and they're getting one free marketing materials, and in return, I'm getting um, that exposure. Okay. So a couple of points here, again, for our audience, 
if you want to rewind and listen to that language, we're really big on scripts and dialogues at iRelaunch, like what to actually say and what to actually write. And you've just modeled um, that a conversation that can be hard for people when they're first starting businesses. So, uh, so thank you for doing that. And, and also the, this concept of going in at the beginning of starting your business, knowing that you were going to do some work for free um, because you wanted to have, you're saying essentially free samples of your work so people can see what your work looks like. But also um, you said you're creating marketing materials for yourself. So once those materials are produced, even if they were done for free for a client, first of all, the client sees your work if they love it that potentially turns into paid work. Secondly, those marketing materials then can go on your website or be examples of what you can do for then getting a paying client. Absolutely. Absolutely. I just wanted to, um, there's one other quote that you said that I wrote down that I just want to emphasize again, where you said, I didn't limit myself in terms of whether I'd get paid for it or not. So again, uh, uh, very instructive. Um, so tell us a little bit about how did the DCSI job come up? <laughs> so the DCSI position came up once again through the SHRM network. Um, it just so happens that um, there was a, a transition. Someone was leaving the company uh, at DCSI and I knew the uh, VP of consulting. And of course, you know, she, she knew me from SHRM and she called me out of the blue and said, Hey, do you, you know, do, I know you, you know, a lot of people in the Sherm network, you know, we have this opening coming up and do you know of anybody? And she starts explaining the role uh, to me. And I was like, you know, I said, I said, yes, I'm very familiar with that type of role. I, I was a regional training consultant and she's mm. like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Will you, are you willing to come by the office tomorrow? <laughs> And so, um, and so we, we sat down and we talked about the role and I knew that, uh, you know, I, at the time I was not looking for a part-time role. Once again, I was starting up my company. I was volunteering, you know, at that point going into the president-elect position with SHRM and I, I was, you know, a little bit hesitant about starting uh, a position. The flip side of it was, I was about to become president of an HR association and was not in human resources. Mm -hmm. So I made the conscious decision to work part-time and I mean, part, part, part-time <laughs> so that I not only stayed in the loop when it came to human resources um, and what's going on and what challenges human resources, uh, you know, human resources professionals are, are facing, um, but also um, it, it, it allowed me to go back into training, which I missed and I was very passionate about. So I took on the role of just, um, you know, leading, uh, courses, uh, on a quarterly basis. And that allowed me to still touch bases with, you know, management teams and what they were experiencing in the workplace and, and how can I bring those, those, those experiences back to SHRM when it came to selecting speakers for content, um, for development of HR professionals, what we could offer to manage to supervisors and managers, possibly as a revenue generator for our, um, our chapter and so forth. Hmm. So it just, it sounds like 
so much of this was intertwined. You you know, you're you're approached by the DCSI person with an opening because of who you are in SHRM and your network, then you end up taking that job. But then you're in taking that job, you're thinking about very broadly, not just doing the job itself, but thinking about, hmm, how can this uh, it maybe impact what we're doing at Sherm uh, at, in in all those different ways. So um, it just sounds to me like you're a person who is always thinking very broadly um, across, you know, your paid work, your volunteer work, uh, and how everything intersects. Well, I think that at the end of the day, my my thought process even from the very beginning of my career, or at least close to the beginning of my career was about career was about strategically planning my career path. You know, I didn't take roles just to take them just because it was a pay increase just because it was, you know, at a so and so company. I mm-hmm. really wanted to take roles that would give me or I would gain the knowledge and experience and exposure to to have a good trajectory for my career path. And, and it, and it's worked well for me, even when I became ill and I had to stop work because of that illness. And I, I tell people this story all the time. I, my last day at my uh, last, um, nine to five, if you will, um, was, uh, the end of March of 2013. The very next mm-hmm. week is, was the Sherm Jacksonville chapter meeting. Cause it's the first Thursdays, typically the first Thursdays of the month. And when I walked through the door, there were three people who approached me and said, hey, I know so-and-so is looking for an HR professional and the position isn't posted yet, but if you give me your resume, I'll forward it to them and get you into an interview. Three people Hmm. approached me in that Hmm. chapter meeting. And I'm like, I'm not looking for anything. <laughs> I'm not looking for, I'm okay. I'm okay. Honestly, I'm okay. It was the week, it was a week later. It was a week to that day because my last day was like a Thursday, I think. And mm-hmm. the the following Thursday was the chapter meeting. So the mm-hmm. power one, the power of networking, the power of being a part of professional association, and the power of really planning your career um to being strategic about your career uh, will will net you the results that mm-hmm. you're looking for. And also, I love that uh, as part of that story you just told, that they're saying this job isn't even posted yet. Absolutely. Right? The power of that, because that's the power of networking. You know, quite mm-hmm. a few of the positions that um, there are quite a few positions that are never posted. I mean, and unfortunately, mm-hmm. you know, it's sometimes it's, it's more of an internal, so it's not externally posted. Maybe it's just internally posted. Sometimes it's someone who's just put in their notice or is talking about leaving and putting in their notice. And, you know, it may be a couple of months before they officially leave, or we know somebody's coming up on retirement in six months, you know, those positions aren't posted, but they're keeping an eye out to for potential next, uh, that next great employee or that next great uh, manager or executive. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when a CEO, or, you know, such as yourself, if they, if you leave, you know, that that's a major plan. It's not something that you can, you know, oh, put on your two weeks notice and just walk away. It's, mm-hmm. it's something that needs to be planned possibly over a year 
and you're going to be looking for a year to find that right that right next person. So, mm-hmm. you know, you, you definitely have to have the the network to to the ability to put yourself out there and 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 have your eyes and ears open and and encourage people and because they're they're your cheerleaders. At the end of the day, your network becomes your cheerleader and they will right. they will find things for you. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> without you having any, to even, you know, do much trying. Mm-hmm. I'm just taking notes here. <laughs> <laughs> right. Your network becomes your cheerleader. Okay. I just wrote that down too. Um, Natasha, can we fast forward to today? Ooh. And can you tell us what does your work life look like right now? And is this something that you think is is pretty good for the status for, for a while or are you are you thinking something else will change you know in the short or long term for my company that will will change in that it will grow um mm-hmm. you know one of the things that I was told when I first started from the marketing perspective that that you know I was told there is no end of clients for marketing. Everybody is looking for marketing. It's one whether they can pay for it, and two whether you have the time. So I I actually changed the the um, focus, uh, I guess if you will, um, and my client base because I knew that I as a solopreneur I knew that I as well as someone with a health concern I knew that I had to pace myself. So mm-hmm. I chose nonprofit specifically and the ability to help manage nonprofits, whether they need a management team or, or someone to come in and kind of be their uh, online business manager. Uh, and then the second piece is to provide education for nonprofit leaders, because that's usually the biggest challenge. So that is going to be kind of phase two of my company is to add that educational component and have those uh, virtual classes. Got it. From a part-time perspective, you have to determine, you know, which one is, is which one of those you can do and do, you know, effectively and satisfactorily. So, you know, sometimes as you, you have, you start your new company, you may have a part-time role or even a full-time role and you do your company part-time. But once you get your company up to a certain point, you do have to scale back on all other, all those other activities. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, well, w- we're going to be wrapping up now, Natasha, and this is this has been so illuminating. Uh, but before we do, I just want to go off on a side note for a minute, <laughs> because I, I want to talk about the power of social media and how that brought us together. And I'll just um, tell our audience for background that Last month at iRelaunch, we ran a joint program with Mocha Moms, the national organization for mothers of color on the black relaunchers perspective. And so I posted about it on LinkedIn and Natasha commented on it. And when she did, I just wanted to see if she was a relauncher. So I clicked through to her profile. I saw that she was. And that is what led me to contact her and led to this conversation we're having today. So <laughs> I, I, I just also want to highlight for our audience that um, when we say be active on LinkedIn, it doesn't mean that you need to have a su- succession of releases of original content that you, know, you spent hours and hours uh, creating. Um, commenting on uh, other people's posts can be a a big part 
of the mix. So I, I just wanted Natasha to ask you, do you, how much, how do you use LinkedIn? Do you, was this an unusual thing that you happened to comment on this or is that part of the, a, a regular way that you, that you, um, that you interact with people on LinkedIn or, or what's your approach to it? Well, I will say that, um, I am pretty passive on all of my social media networks except LinkedIn. LinkedIn, mm-hmm. I try to be engaged on a daily basis. Um, and it's not, uh, to your point, it's not about um, putting these lucrative posts or doing blogs and posting it out there, although that is all, the, the, those are all helpful. Um, I, my focus is really to maintain connection with my network. Um, those people who I, you know, especially around this time when we're, you know, in this pandemic and we're not seeing people on a regular basis, um, staying in touch with people through LinkedIn, through staying in touch with those connections is powerful because one, you know, it will help with uh maintaining, you know, for your career, for career pathing, maintaining those connections. If you are launching your, your, uh, your own company, it will be helpful, uh, as, but also, you know, things like this. I mean, you know, we, we, we connected because of, of that and it, it, LinkedIn becomes powerful only if you use it and only if you use it effectively. If you just go on, put up a put up a little minor profile and then never look at it again, then it will not do anything for you. But if you stay engaged, if nothing else, when somebody's birthday comes up, just say happy birthday. Everything's pretty, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, congratulations on a new promotion or what have you. You know, then you start a dialogue with people. Um, I often guide people in when they say, hey, you know, how do I get into human resources or how do I, you know, start my next job or, or, or find my next job? It's, you know, utilize the power of LinkedIn. It's not about just connecting with someone. As soon as you connect, say, I need a job. Can you hire me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's about which we get those all the time. Or as soon as you connect with someone, oh, can I can I advance your business? You know, we can help you. It's it's you know, it's not about that dogged approach. It's more about you know what, I, I, I want to establish a mutually beneficial relationship with you, or I would love to learn more about what you do. Can we have some, can we uh, set aside some time to chat and talk more about what you do? You, it sounds very interesting. Or, mm-hmm. you know, you work for a company that I have been interested in learning more about. Uh, can we set up some time so I can do an informational interview with you and ask you about the culture of the company and, and what you like and what you don't like about the company? You know, and then that could lead to, oh, now I know this person in human resources. They haven't have my resume now. I can follow up with them once an open position comes up. So, mm-hmm. you know, giving, you know, utilizing your network to help you, once again, they're your cheerleaders, they become your cheerleaders, and they stay in touch. Matter of fact, somebody reached out to me on LinkedIn, I, I, I think I w- wished her a happy birthday, and she responded, oh, we haven't spoken in a while, let's connect. So now in a couple of days, we're going to, you know, we're having a, a chat that was somebody I hadn't talked, spoken to in, in, in months. So it is helpful because, you know, maybe I can recruit her for the board, (laughs) you know? Right. (laughs) So. 
All right. Well, again, some excellent um, scripts there for, for people in terms of how to reach out and exactly what to say. And I also want to mention, Natasha, that your LinkedIn profile is extremely well done, probably reflecting your marketing background. And our listeners should take a look at it. it it's a great example. Uh, and you can see one approach that Natasha is taking when she um is profiling her career path, she does not include the years that she was on career break. And we see some people do this, some people call out their career break, some people don't. Uh, so I'm just curious, has anyone ever asked you what happened between 2013 and 2018? Because it's not accounted for on your LinkedIn profile. You know, that question never comes up. And I do believe it's because how I have Sherm Jacksonville listed. Um, during my career break, I still was very active with Sherm as much as I could. Mm -hmm. And so um, I was still on the board. I was still, you know, interacting and, and performing my duties to the best of my abilities. So I, what people see is the fact that I have this longevity with, with Sherm. And what mm -hmm. they glaze over is, mm -hmm. is the fact that between 2013 and and my starting with DCSI or my form in my company, there's a, to your point, a four-year gap there. And, you know, that was, uh, you know, a, a large part because, uh, you know, my health team said, okay, you need to stop. <laughs> Just do what you can, but you know, f you know, work is probably not in the foreseeable future. Mm -hmm. Well, Natasha, this has been a wonderful interview, and I want to wrap up by asking you the question that we ask all of our podcast guests, and that is, what is your best piece of advice for our relauncher <laughs> audience, even if it's something we've already talked about today? Well, I think one is the power of networking. Even mm -hmm. if you are unemployed, you need to be networking. Um, you know, if you have the ability to join a professional association um, or, um, you know, utilize your LinkedIn to, you know, reach out to people within your network and have conversations with them, um, you know, making, making sure that you're on their radar at some point. Because when you decide to go back or when you have the ability to go back to work, you have those connections. So the power of networking is, is, is phenomenal. Uh, on those same lines, use your resources that are available. Um, and I know that um, I, I don't know whether you have, you know, such resources listed, um, you know, on your website or what have you, but there are several mm -hmm. resources do. that, that <laughs> will uh, assist you in going back to, to work or going back and, and, or starting your own, uh, um, company. I took advantage of those resources and, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's help with my business plan and, and, you know, forming and, and keeping me on track to make sure that I'm still, you know, that I'm not going off on a tangent over here, that I'm really focused on my company. Um, and, and all these ideas that I have for my company. Okay, Natasha, you need to focus on these ones right here, these products, these products and services. And so that is also helpful um, for anybody who is a relauncher, utilize those resources. And mm -hmm. I think the third thing that is, was most powerful for me was volunteerism. And having um, a, a, a board position has allowed me to achieve so much more um, 
personal satisfaction and personal success in addition to professional success that I, I, I couldn't even measure it. Um, and, you know, when I won the president's award with uh, HR Florida, you know, it, it was a shock because it was something that, yes, you know, any president would want. But mm-hmm. in the year of a pandemic, in a year of uh, lack of resources, if you will, in the year of you may not be making as much money uh, for your nonprofit as you would have liked to. And the year of volunteers that may be scarce because they're so focused on their company or they're focused on on, on the mental health uh, associated with dealing with the COVID and pandemic. And, you know, all of those things that that just was uh, culminating to like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be my worst year. And it's my second year of presidency. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, everybody's calling it the lame duck year, right? <laughs> and uh, and I win the president's award. So you know, utilize util, you know utilize that that network to find volunteer positions, whether it's a board position, whether it's in, an enhanced leadership role um, within a volunteer organization. Um, you know, use that to to your ability to and be strategic about it. You know, don't just take anything and just don't commit to anything. You know, research that board and research that board position to ensure that 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 it's the right fit for you, just like you would with any full time employment and and treat it as if you're getting paid, because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you're going to be evaluated that way as well. There is quite often I'm put uh, down as a professional reference for folks (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. when they've worked in a volunteer role. And, and, you know, so you, you have to be. If, if you're going to do that, then you need to treat this like you would. Uh, your work ethic needs to be the same as if you were getting paid. Well, there's so much excellent advice there. And I can say just based on this conversation, I can see why you won that award. <laughs> Thank, <laughs> so, you. Thank you. <laughs> um, before we conclude, Natasha, can, can you uh, tell our audience how they can find out more about your work? Absolutely. So my website is next chapter. Uh, media.com. It's N-E-X chapter media.com. And they can always find me there, my phone number, my email address, all that is there. And of course, you can always find me on LinkedIn. <laughs> exactly. Natasha Slaughter on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. All right. Uh, it's It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Natasha, for joining us today. Thank you. And thanks for listening to 321i Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman-Cohen, the CEO and co-founder of iRelaunch and your host. For more information on iRelaunch conferences and events, to sign up for our job board and access our return to work tools and resources, go to iRelaunch.com. And if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it on Apple Podcasts and your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to share this podcast with a friend on Facebook, Instagram, and other social media. Thanks for joining us.